0: Well, happy Father's Day. I want to take us to Ephesians 6, an interesting little passage of Scripture to start our thinking about fathers today. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers... Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Isn't that an interesting word? Exasperate. What what bothers me about that word is that it is so precise. It is so right. Um, who, Who has not been exasperated by your father? And what father has not been exasperated by your children? It's just almost the nature of the relationship. My daughter, Kim, in high school, explained it to me. We were having some kind of altercation. I don't remember what it was about now. Difference of opinion. And I said, now, Kim, I I understand. It's not easy to be a preacher's kid. Oh, no, Dad, that's not it. It's being your kid. (laughs) Exasperation. Well, the Bible treats fathers as the head of the family, the one ultimately responsible in biblical times for training and instruction of the Lord and in everything else, really. And some of us are old-fashioned enough to believe that the father should still have that responsibility and that, and that it's a good thing for us fathers from time to time to be reminded of our duties. It's a challenging one. Fathers and sons are depicted in literature as having the best of relationships, sometimes, but more often as having a tough relationship. Family expectations have changed over the years, but I think what hasn't changed is how important that relationship is. We all take for granted the relationship of mother and child, and we all bless it. But many of us have had a struggle with the relationship between father and child. I I treasure a a card I got uh, from one of our Velcro sons. It was a Father's Day card. And it said, Dad, thanks to your lectures, I never change horses in the middle of a job worth doing. I know the squeaky wheel gets the worm. And I never count my chickens until I've walked a mile in their shoes. (laughs) And you... (laughs) And you thought I wasn't listening. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. Well, the truth is, I wasn't always listening to my father. Not as I should have. But I've been recalling his teachings now for a lifetime. And I, I love talking about this subject because in the Bible, the word father is often used to refer to God. And the truth is, and it's already been said, it, said here today, that our relationship, father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship, is a good analogy for what we're taught regarding God in the Bible. Jesus taught us to think of God as our heavenly father. Now, because of gender issues in our time, a more recent trend has been to think of God as our heavenly parent. But that really hasn't caught on. Because it's not how we relate emotionally. I never said to my parents, my father or my mother, thank you, parent, or I love you, parent. It just didn't ring true. It's mom, it's dad, it's mother, it's father. The Old Testament presents God at a certain distance from us. The God of your father is a phrase often used, or my father's God is another one. In in Psalm 68, there's a reference to to God as the father, uh, to the fatherless, a, a defender of widows. Beautiful language. And then in Psalm 89, the closest we get, you are my father, my God, my rock, my savior. But when you get to the New Testament, there's a totally different feeling. And Jesus taught us that feeling. He says, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. Now theologians for now 2,000 years have debated just how Jesus and God are related. Jesus simplifies this for us by teaching us in a prayer we're all familiar with. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The distance is there, the the reverence is there, but the intimacy is also there. And and then we have this in um, 1 John 3. See with what great love the Father, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And then this wonderful verse, Romans 8.15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you have received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Well, this very word has us reviewing our relationship with God. And our relationship, at least, probably for us men, our relationship with our fathers. And it's good that we have some time this morning to think about it. Uh, I, I, I really regretted when Charles Schultz stopped publishing Peanuts. Almost uh, had to quit preaching. Because I lost some of my best stuff. But <laughs> one, it was, a, it was a Sunday strip that I really loved. Um, Charlie Brown came upon Lucy, who was hard at work, and he asked, What are you doing? I'm making sort of a Father's Day card, she said. So then Charlie responded, and Charlie could be kind of wordy, so it took several panels. That's great. I'm proud of you. Father's Day doesn't get the recognition it deserves. I find that it is all too frequently ignored. I cannot, I cannot commend you too highly. I'm very impressed. And Lucy says, Thank you. The final panel... Dear Mom, have a happy Father's Day. (laughs) That puts it in perspective. I could have used as a text for today's sermon, Mark Twain's comment, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. (laughs) Well, my dad has been gone 35 years. I'm going to talk a lot about him now. And I'm hoping while I'm talking about my dad, you're thinking about yours. And trying to put the pieces together that characterize this complicated relationship we have. Several things I would tell dad if I had a chance. And I sometimes yearn for that chance. I'd tell him, he's still teaching me. Now, it's not not that we always agreed, or that I always accepted his teaching at the time. I was kind of like the teenage boy with his brand new driver's license. He asked his father, who was a minister, uh, to discuss the use of the car. And the father said, I'll make a deal with you. You bring your grades up, study your Bible a little, And get your hair cut. This was back in the 70s. (laughs) Then we'll talk about it. Well, a month went by, and the son the son brought the subject up again. And his father said, Son, I'm real proud of you. You've brought your grades up, you've studied your Bible diligently, but you didn't get your hair cut. And the son said, You know, Dad. I've been thinking about that. You know, Samson had long hair. Moses had long hair. Noah had long hair. Even, even Jesus had long hair. And his father said, yes, son. And they walked everywhere they went. <laughs> well, he was teaching his son. As my dad tried to teach his son. And there's so many memories I have My dad was a man of few words, really. He never could figure out where I got my gift of gab. But he didn't need a lot of words to teach. I I saw, for example, how he treated my mother. And how he demanded we treat our mother. I learned from that. I'm a reader, have been a reader all my life. I, I blame my parents for that because in our home magazines were around. We didn't have many books, but we had lots of magazines, and I have this memory of my parents, when they had a free moment, reading, and it just kind of seemed the thing to do at our house. I learned from that. Uh, I recall a a trip, and my dad took me with him to a rodeo. My dad was a member of the sheriff's posse. He was a horseman, kind of a horse whisperer. And he took me to this particular rodeo, and on the way back, he gave a ride to the mother of uh, one of the men in the sheriff's posse. I was sitting in the back seat of the car. They were talking. They were ignoring me. They were having a good conversation. And uh, and Dad was explaining to this lady his idea about retirement. He was a little bit critical of people that he knew who postponed life. They just worked like drudges until they retired and then the next day they died. And he was explaining how he didn't believe... That ought to be. I, I took that to heart. I never have worked hard my whole life as a result of it. No, that's not true. <laughs> <it. laughs> one, big, one big lesson he taught me, and he never talked to me about, about giving my money to God, but our church didn't have an offering tray. There was a box by the back door called the Lord's treasury. And every Sunday I would watch him go out of his way to put his money in the Lord's treasury without saying a word to me. I learned to give to God. All kinds of memories I could get, tell you as my, from my teenage years, most of them I won't. Um, I'm not proud of all of them. I was proud though that he taught me to drive. He was a much better teacher teaching me to drive than I was teaching my children to drive. He taught me how to treat customers. My dad was a grocer. We had a couple of grocery stores, small mom-and-pop operations. And I started working for him when I was very young. And um, made all kinds of mistakes. I remember more than one dozen of eggs I dropped. That didn't go over really well. And there's the watermelon. that See, this, none of this is in my notes. These things come when I'm talking to you. I'm remembering all of these things. And I dropped a jar of molasses one time. That was an interesting one. But he patiently helped me to learn how to work with the customers. How to treat them with respect. I've always been a tease. But sometimes I went too far, he thought. And then, then he would take me back. In those days, we had walk-in coolers. The, the front of the cooler, you opened the door and pulled out the eggs or the, or the milk. But around behind us, where you put the eggs and the milk in. And the, you, you stored the, 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 uh, the beef and the other meat there. And it was was very convenient. But it was extremely convenient as a classroom. Because when I got out of line, Dad would simply invite me to the cooler. And because it was cold in there, we didn't want to spend a lot of time. So I agreed immediately with anything that he said. I cherished those moments as he was teaching me respect for people. Which I needed to learn. Uh, In John chapter 5... Jesus has been criticized, he's criticized because he was healing on the Sabbath, and he has this answer, very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing, the Son can do nothing by himself, he can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Interesting, isn't that the relationship between Father and Son there? And I cannot read that passage without thinking of the relationship between my father and me, or, or me and my own children. So, if I had a chance to talk to dad again, I would tell him, you're still teaching me. And I'd tell him I'm sorry. I've already hinted at some of the things. I've got a long list I, I just could not include in this sermon. A long, long list of the things that I did wrong when I was a kid. Things that I know now were not of all that much consequence, but one, one has stood out in my memory for a lifetime. It was a big thing. We didn't have much money. For Christmas one year, my parents gave me a, a chemistry set. I was interested in chemistry. I loved it. It was a wonderful gift. The, that very night that he gave me the gift, I was picking up the wrappings and putting them in the fireplace and burning them. In the process, I included the tools for the chemistry set. I never was able to use that chemistry set. And you know why? I didn't want to tell my parents what a stupid thing I had done. So I did a stupider thing. I just didn't use the chemistry set that they had given me. I'm telling you my story, and I'll bet you while I'm talking, you've got a story that you could... Tell me from your own past. I would tell him I'm sorry that I wasn't a very good clerk at the store. I took advantage of my dad's kindness. Didn't always show up when I should have showed up. Always had an excuse when I didn't. I'm sure that if he had been paying me money, which he wasn't, by the way. It was a family thing. But I'm sure that if I'd have been a regular employee, I would have been fired, and I should have been. I remember times I wasn't all that kind to my little brother. I was sometimes a little sassy to my mother. I would tell him I'm sorry because I know I embarrassed him and I know I disappointed him. I'm not athletic. You probably there're two things you probably have already discovered about me. I'm the world's leading non-mechanic and I'm not athletic. I'm asthmatic, <laughs> and when I was a kid I had a terrible case of, of asthma. I, I couldn't participate in sports. I, uh, in sports, I couldn't run around a baseball diamond without gasping and, colla- and collapsing on home plate. But my parents wanted to give me a chance to do something, so I went in another direction. I went into drama and I went into music. They paid for 10 years of piano lessons for me, and I cheated on my practice. They had to nag me to practice, and I learned ways not to practice. Oh, boy, would I like to say I'm sorry for that. They were just trying to prepare me for a lifetime of music. I quit. Uh, They tried the clarinet on me, and I played it for three years, but I quit in the seventh grade because, you understand, I said to my parents, I'm too busy. I'm sorry about that. The truth is, in spite of the way I behave sometimes, I wanted to make, I wanted to make, I want to make my dad proud. Most kids do. And we also want to be proud of our parents. And it's really discouraging how we undercut our own attempts to make our parents proud. I love this passage in 2 Peter, uh, which is alluding to the passage early in Jesus' ministry, just as he was getting started. Peter says he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That's really what I wanted to hear from my Father. This is my Son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. And I'm one, of, I'm one of the blessed guys. I got to hear that from my dad. And I tried to pass that on to my kids. I, in fact, it's really interesting. My dad died, I already told you, over 35 years ago, which means that he missed out on most of my career. In the later years, uh, some honors came, some opportunities came that he didn't know anything about. And one of my big disappointments was that I couldn't tell him and hear, well done, well done, son. So we don't really outgrow that, which means those of us who are now fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, we have a job. Making certain that our offspring and their offspring know that we love them and are cheering for them. Well, if I had a chance to talk to Dad, <clears throat> I'd tell him I've forgiven him. Now, actually, I did that years ago, and he knew it. But I've already shared with you, I'm from, a, I'm from a divorced home. My parents, after 19 years, split. And the last many years were not all that good as the tensions grew between them. And uh, they finally broke up. But... One of the things I'm grateful for is they stayed together for the sake of the children as long as they felt they could. Now, that's not always the solution in my own family with other members of the family. That would not have been the solution. But I was blessed because my parents waited for the sake of the children. My parents were not ideal, and I don't want to present a case that makes it sound like they were. Uh, they were, in fact, like almost all parents. In fact, all parents I know anything about, they had to be forgiven for some mistakes they made. I'm just so grateful to my own children that they accept me anyway, <laughs> in spite of the mistakes I made. What I'm really saying is, I would, I would I was, I tell him, I finally got to the place where I could accept that my dad... Like my children's dad. Like my grandchildren's dad. We're all a combination of strengths and weaknesses. We have some things that we can brag about. We have some other things that shouldn't be mentioned, I suppose. But the longer I've lived, the easier it has been for me to forgive my father because I found myself over the years making some of the same mistakes that he made. When I said I would never but I did. Now what this also means is, I'm confessing, that I realized one day I could not go through life excusing myself by blaming my parents. It's their fault. They did me wrong. Well, they did some wrong things, but they didn't do it to hurt me or to harm me psychologically, emotionally, they just made some mistakes. And if they should come up in this conversation, this uh, imaginary conversation that I'd like to have with my dad, I would tell him, oh boy would I tell him, Dad, I forgave you for that a long time ago. I did it in part because you needed to hear it, but I also did it in part because I needed to forgive you so that I could free myself from those feelings that were so bad for me. So, I'd tell him, I forgive you. And then, and then I'd tell him thanks. How much I took for granted growing up. I, t- I took for granted what a good role model he was. I took for granted that he was trying to help me. Now, I, I already confess, I'm not, not a mechanic. I, I still remember more than one conversation. This was as a, after I'm married and I have children, and Dad would come to our house for a visit, and he would look at the things that were not repaired, and he would explain, this is a screwdriver. LAUGHTER <laughs> And I don't think he ever could figure out why I could be so smart in some areas and so absolutely stupid in other areas. I would, I would thank him. I would thank him for his patience. I would thank him for his never-tiring effort to do right by it. And, and, and when he died, I realized that I had lost my primary cheerleader. And I, I said this in an earlier sermon, but we all need somebody cheering for us. I saw something just, I think, a couple of days ago now from Wake County, North Carolina. Wake County High School um, had a change of policy. That year, this year, for the first time, the valedictorian was not honored, was not selected to make the speech and to be honored for having the highest grades. So, do we, do we have that slide, Tim? Tim? There it is. So Josh Allman was the valedictorian this year, and he didn't get to make his speech, and he didn't get to be honored. So his father rented a billboard, and it says, Congrats, Josh Alman. You will always be our valedictorian over on the right family and friends. That kind of touched me. My dad would never have done that. <laughs> for a couple of reasons. It would have cost a lot of money, and he didn't have any. And he wouldn't have wanted to call that much attention to us. It wasn't good that too much attention was good for us. It was a different era. We didn't, in, in my day, we just didn't go around bragging and posting selfies and all of that. Um, for two reasons. One, of course, is that we didn't have the phones. Um, Laughter but Dad could not have done that, but, but here's why that caught my attention. It's what my dad would have liked to do if he felt I needed that. He would have done that for my brother. He would have done it for my sister. He wanted us to know that he was for us. And, and I'd like to thank him for that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Verses 16 and 17. May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. One of the most beautiful benedictions. It's about hope, it's about encouragement. It's about being strengthened. It's about being prepared by the Father so that we can live life to the fullest. Well, let me bring this all together by reading you a poem. It's an old poem, and I love it. I love it, I suppose, because I could be the old man in it. An old man going a lone highway came at the evening, cold and gray, to a chasm, vast and deep and wide, through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen stream had no fears for him. But he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You never again must pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build you the bridge at eventide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I've come, he said, there followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been not to me, to that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building the bridge for him.